This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everyone? This is Brandon Fama. I have an awesome chair gaming review for you guys. So as a professional game developer, I've been almost sitting as much as I stood in my whole life. There are obviously tremendous strain on the human body as we are not built for sitting for extended amounts of time. However, in recent decades, I've been blessed by being introduced to professional chairs at my workplace, but I've always cheapened the experience of sitting on inferior chairs when at home. This has changed with the onset of remote working and the upheaval the pandemic caused, which made investing in great high-quality chair not just a luxury, but a necessity that every professional should treat themselves to. That's why I'm excited to talk about Ewin Racing Gaming Chair. Early in January, the representatives got in touch with me, full disclosure, to ask me to write an honest review what I thought about their chairs, and the timing couldn't have been more perfect. As mentioned, I run my own technology consultant business for enterprise and game development studios, Godemics, check it out. But my son, who is 10, have only began his digital online learning this year. And because of the pandemic, and just like any good gamer dad, I built him a custom PC along with a gamer table so that he can learn better. The chair was naturally the missing puzzle, since I knew he would have to dedicate six hours a day going to school. It was very important to enhance his sitting career, at least for me. Overall, I had a fun and fast time going through the checkout process. I went through and browsed the selection at Ewin Racing Chair, who routinely sell gaming chairs to people that tends to sit for long periods of time. I was very impressed at the choices of the selection and the variety of colors that truly made me feel like I'm getting a personalized chair. This was at the height of the pandemic, where supplies everywhere was limited, and I was surprised how easy it was to choose a chair with my son that really fit with his style. He was even able to pick up the the colors of the wheels, which I thought was a really nice touch. The delivery process was equally impressive. It took about only a week to arrive at my front door. Assembly instructions were clear, and I was able to put it together for about 20 minutes. All the pieces of the chair were solidly constructed, and after two months of heavily being tested by my son, it is as strong as it was the first day it arrived. I highly recommend anyone to invest in a high-quality chair, such as E-Win Racing, for either yourself or your child, as it will definitely keep your posture all in the right places. So for those that are ready to take the next steps to check things out, maybe this will entice you, right? So if you use the code GAMEDEV, you will get 30% off your next purchase, either a table or chair, anything that you want, 30% off. Again, use the code GAMEDEV. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and this is a special episode, an episode presented by Game School Online, where I sit down with a game development professional to dive deeper into their techniques and particular disciplines. 
So this week's guest, I want to give a special welcome out there to Lisa Luceva. Oh, I should have asked you how to say your last name. <laughs> made a comment. Okay. There. So how are you doing? How do you say your last name? Hi, it's uh, Luceva. Luceva. Oh, I'll try my best. Yeah. So Lisa, <laughs> so Lisa, thank yeah. you so much for uh, joining us in this week's episode. Uh, do you mind... Uh, this is the part of the episode where I ask you to add, introduce yourself to our audience out there of who you are, where you're from, where you're heading. Uh, okay. Um, my name is Elizabeth Olsher, but everyone just call me Liz or Lisa. So feel free to do this too. Uh, I'm a professional artist. Uh, I'm making characters for video games for like about three and a half years already. And right now, um, I'm doing freelance. Before that, I was working for a company Plarium in Ukraine. We were making uh, Great Shadow Legends. I think you all knew that one because the advertisements like everywhere. So uh, yeah, and I'm from Russia, but I'm living in Ukraine right now. That's pretty much all. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge, we've been having a lot of um, Eastern Europe guests on the show. And I've always been very interested in that part of the world, because like most of the world, we're very ignorant, <laughs> uh, at least in terms of game development on that side. Uh, how has your experience been with game development uh, in Russia, Ukraine, Eastern Europe? Has it been Difficult? Do you feel like there's a huge community over there that has been helpful, or has it been mostly through online access? Mm, I I can't say about like Russian community because I started to make video games when I was already in Ukraine. I started even learning when I was in Ukraine, but in Ukraine there is not a lot of like communities. There is only in my city there is only two big companies, a couple of small ones, and there is like very tight-knitted uh, community of artists. It's like everyone knows each other. And uh, guys are really helpful. And yeah, it was like mostly guys. I think it's um, it was maybe three or four, maybe five girls, character artists in my city. So we pretty much know each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it makes it very hard. And uh, I also feel like the, the that kind of preps you up to, to kind of deal with the harsh, realistic um, uh, reality of our industry, right? The industry is very self-motivated for us to keep going and work at uh, bigger studios and work with other artists. So I feel like you guys are a bit tougher to kind of deal with that type of uh, environment, right? I feel like you guys are better prepared because I do feel like in the States that uh, artists, at least students, are a bit more comfortable um, having that oh, call yeah. back. So do you see that? For sure. From that perspective? Exactly. It's, it's actually a lot, of, a lot different from, like, from Ukraine and Russia because... I always listen to all these podcasts and uh, streams and so on when everyone in America just said, don't think about education. You don't need education if you have a good portfolio. You don't need like professional 
courses or you don't need university if you want to work in video game industry. But just a little remark, if you are from Eastern Europe, if you are from Europe at all, and if you want to work in US, you need the education. Mm-hmm. You, you can't like walk around it because you can't have pizza without an education. Mm-hmm. And since every, mostly everyone self-taught in Eastern Europe, because we don't have such thing as game, like uh, video game industry education or something. So we're in an interesting position. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we can freelance for sure, but uh, to get a real job like in US and Canada, I think it's really hard for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to kind of touch on this a bit before we go into demo, um, I'm sure you have friends, connections that have made the jump. All right. Uh, I don't know what the perspective is over there. I mean, are, are United States game companies kind of like the goal or anywhere in the UK or uh, anywhere in Europe is another uh, point of... Uh, of everyone, uh, of destination for developers over there. I mean, is there a closer destination than the United States that you guys would like to settle? I, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, I can say for everyone because for me, the United States was a goal only because I started. Well, I'm doing what I'm doing right now because some like three hours or I'm sorry, three years ago or like four years ago, I saw like Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And I was so immersed in this game and I was thinking that I was I want to do something like this. That's why like my goal is United States or maybe like European com- uh, companies, but the big ones. But I know people who like what they're doing here and they really... They like freelancing. They like to work, you know, from home in their pajamas and to live in Ukraine. I know people who want to work in Poland and see CD Projekt Red, and it was their goal. So we're all different, you see. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, talking about goals, talking about showing awesome stuff, being with friends, being without friends. Uh, I think it's a perfect segue to kind of go into today's main meat of the subject, which is showing off your amazing work. A lot of uh, viewers out there who are very interested in, okay, what what does Lisa have to show to us, all right? Um, if you don't mind to kind of just start with the, the screen share, I can buy us some time yeah. as you get that set up. And you can probably talk about uh, what you are looking to show us today. So you are a character artist by trade. Um, yeah. Has it always been your passion uh, to do specifically character art and not like environment art, prop art, or any other type of art? Uh, okay. It was my... Actually, I started... To learn Maya and really wanted to be an animator. It was my goal. I wanted to make like animation movies or something. But after some time, after I seen some really big games, uh, I get back to video games and I start to like gaming again, 
very heavily and I start to like interest to be interested more and more in video game art. And to be honest, I always thought that environment art artists are like more interesting profession than character art. Because for me they were the ones who making, you know, the worlds the places where all the games are set. But as for me, I it's just it's just my thing. I'm really I'm better with, with characters. I'm better with people. I'm better with faces and so on. So it was like a nat- natural choice for me to start character art. And you can see on the screen, it's basically all my career in one shot because I started with the, like this really painterly uh, hand-painted textures or characters. And I went through really stylist stages and this is my like professional work in Playroom and this is my last one and we're actually planning to do this stream for a long time and when we started planning it I was thinking about showing Jester and kind of mm, talking about this most stylized thing but this uh, this model was my last one, The Wanderer, and I think it will be actually really interesting to talk about this one. Awesome. Yeah, uh, because it was my first like serious, real, realistic model after a lot of stylized stuff. So I think it will be more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you are switching or, or maybe uh, powering it up... Um, Online resources and self-education is something I feel this industry needs for every artist, even if they go through a traditional school. So United States, uh, thankfully, we have a lot of resources uh, to go to physical schools or uh, or accessibility. But um, even with that, with the changing tools that happens every two, three years, uh, even as a professional, uh, you will have to get back into self-discipline to kind of keep up with everything. What has been your most valuable resource to kind of make sure that you're on top of your game? Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) Okay. Most valuable resource. It's a good question. I think YouTube was my most valuable resource. Yeah. and art station because I was looking at other people's work and I was like really wanted to do the same so I started googling furiously how to make like clothes and marbles designer or how to make a model for printing and so on it's just countless hours of YouTube <laughs> that's awesome. pretty much it I think yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure you're pretty savvy with the search terminology because YouTube has a lot of good tutorials, but it also has a lot more bad tutorials. <laughs> a is lot like, of bad tutorials. Is there a secret sauce of uh, how you determine which one's good, which one's bad before investing too many uh, too many time in a tutorial? Any shortcuts oh. that you see within like 10 minutes? You're like, all right, this is a bad tutorial. I'm not watching this. <laughs> Actually, uh, 
skip to the like last minutes and see the result. And if I like the result, like really like it, I then I try to like skip through some parts and then I start from the like from the beginning and then I start to learn it. Because if you if you don't like the result, then there is no way you should learn it. It's the same with the instructors because always look at the work of your teacher, always look at the work of your instructor because if you like what his or she uh, is doing, then he uh, or she has something to like teach you. That makes sense to me. That's all. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to sit back a bit and chime in once in a while, but I'll let you take it away and start showing us. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, first of all, I will show you the, the video just for you to see how this model actually looks like in, Mar uh, in Marmoset. Because... I would love to show you the real scene in Marmoset, but my computer just dying every time I, I try to <laughs> power up the Marmoset and stream. So yeah. it will be just right. video. So I think I will show you the hair setup. And I think I will show like the cards and how it looks like in Maya. Then uh, we'll see about of the backpack like the process of making and maybe overview and if someone has uh, and Clovis from Marmoset to ZBrush and then if someone has any questions then I think you just go definitely. through them yeah I definitely have a lot of questions for sure <laughs> well you can start to ask them because we have like <laughs> one, one more minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the hair thing is something I've heard uh, many character artists still are um, disappointed that there hasn't been like a huge jump in technology to deal with hair. It's still a lot of alpha cards and just sitting there and and, and straightening out those planar cards. Uh, have you unless? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, have you heard anything on the horizon or things that you've done to kind of make that process a little simpler and fun? for yourself oh no no not in the horizon i think not in the near future nothing because if it will be some kind of surprise software i'm really eager to see it <laughs> because i was like placing all the cards by hand mm -hmm. like every card by hand and it's super time consuming and it's not for everyone let's just say it because People who get bored easily. Oh, it's a kryptonite for them, I think. Also, this project was part of the mentorship program uh, with Frank Zeng. Uh, he was kind of my mentor. He was talking to me about all this like realistic stuff. And I was asking him like right away, will it be like easier to do hair? Will you teach me something about the hair? And he said, just said, no, no secrets. You just, it's just hours and hours and hours of hand placing cards. And that's all. Yep. So yeah, uh, no, no secrets, no secret sauce, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, first the cards. 
So the model looks like this in Maya. Let me show you the whole model. So looks like this. It moderately had like uh, 91,000, 92,000 polygons in it. It's with the hair. It's relatively, as I, as I heard, it's relatively like meat poly for AAA games nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, like Horizon Zero Dawn, I think they have like 100,000 polygons only for the hair. Yeah. And then the same amount for the, like for the model itself. Okay, so get back to the head. And uh, the hair consists of three layers. Okay, the first layer is basically just really dirty place cards, really big. And they don't have texture right now, but it's the same texture as the second layer I'll show you later. So it's actually just to create the idea that underneath all the hair, there is something. So it shouldn't be like super fancy, it's just for the like base layer. Second layer, it's the hair itself. It's the main hair. Uh, they have like this card. You can see here it's just five variants, no more, no less. I saw really hard tutorials about you need to bake and create hair in XGen and bake them and so on and so forth. This mob was drawn by hand in Photoshop. So <laughs> it was super, super, super easy. Uh, it's just we created the volume of the hair, like the idea of the flow, where should every strand go. And after that, after we like ready with the results, we just add a lot of like flyaway hair, like little strands of hair, little something that show it that it's not the like it's real, realish. And after that, it's a transition part. Transition part is basically just the part of the head with the texture in it. So we saw and think that hair actually start to grow and not just placed on the head itself. Uh, the same with the beard. Hello, hand place cards. It's like, I think, 4,000 cards. No system at all. Just look at the reference and place them by hand. So this is the setup. Uh, it finally gives you the result like like this. So you can see like all the little hairs and the transitions. And now I definitely appreciate the hard work <laughs> because I've always heard I'm an environment artist by trade. So every time I talk to a character artist, they're always talking about the hair. 
and uh, yeah, you're pre- pretty much just laying, uh, well, in dire- direct relation to what we do, like grass cards <laughs> all over on a yeah, sphere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and those are like foliage is like one of the 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 pain points for environment artists. No, so you guys are just doing foliage on a head, uh, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do have a question from the audience here about what you said earlier. This is from SS1 Reaper uh, from our Twitch chat. So he or she is mentioning. So you were referencing about aiming for a big studio, but needing a education to definitely get into that big studio because it's so competitive. So the question is, what do you suggest you do if you don't have such schools such as yourself uh, for formal education? Would an online course like no one work? And uh, I guess uh, any type of online, respectable online education will be suffice enough for you to kind of land that interview and and job over the states i mean what has been your experience or what you've heard about that well i i actually asking this very question every guy from the industry (laughs) i lay my eyes on because it's really crucial for me to and everyone said something like online courses are very good but they don't give you the permission to get a visa because you need the like proper education which is in the sphere you are continuing to work so if you're an artist you need an art education like uh nomen is not like online nomen courses is not counting only like on site uh the program Norman, and it it's the same for other schools but if you have all the courses and your work is really good and you're working on different pro- projects and you know maybe some people you talk to them and they know you and you give some interviews and maybe some like art station challenges and so on you can get all one visa it's a visa for like outstanding uh i'm sorry i forgot it in english Mm, okay so you should be really really good to get this visa but it you don't need an education formal education to get it you don't need uh the years of work to get it and you just need to uh, get this job and have a really good portfolio and have a lot of like articles or challenges on something like this. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be, it will be the, like the road I will take eventually when I will be this good mm-hmm. <laughs> someday. Well, I definitely want to sign off on that. I just, I think uh, being good at your specific discipline will definitely uh, trump or at least help with um uh, with any other fallacies right just any other weaknesses uh, at least in the states right in the states um uh any of the jobs that we apply for doesn't really require a, like a degree right uh i've i happen to have a bachelor's degree but i've never really been questioned about 
anybody asking yeah. to see the diploma. So are you, so the H1 visa thing, does that, I mean, is it enough for a company like Naughty Dog? Let's say, Hey Lisa, love your work. Come work at Naughty Dog. Um, would that be enough to get sponsored for a visa or would they have to, is it a government thing where they require some formal education? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's a purely government thing because for companies, they don't need your education at all, but the government, they need you to, uh, to prove them that you are the best choice. You know, the, no one in the United States can like be on your place. That's why you need an education. It's, it's some kind of really old policy because mm-hmm. nowadays we have a lot of jobs that don't need formal educations. Yeah. Education, but we have what we have, but it's still only US thing. I mm-hmm. think so. Because in Europe, in some cases, you can get visa without without uh, like formal education. Mm-hmm. Is Canadian government as strict? Because there's a lot of game, well, notable game development studios there. Do they require the same type of um, rigidness right there? I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I have no idea about Canadian government because I've never actually learned about it. Mm-hmm. But I have friends who actually live. To Canada, and they like. Let's just say, not all of them has formal education. I see. So I think there is some kind of a way. And that's another reason why I think foreigners are beating us in the United States. There's so many like walls that you guys have to climb just to be here and and work at the same jobs that we do. That uh, I think by default you guys are better <laughs> because. Of that hardship. Uh, I'll ask one more question for the eyes before I, I uh, let you go on. This is from rpravine 760 uh, He's asking if a character art, uh, is character art a viable goal for someone with no 2D background? So if someone got just hard surface work, would be uh, realistic for them to try to learn character art in like two to three years? How would you suggest practicing sculpting for someone who can't draw like daily exercises, etc.? I think we just assume okay. that you guys are really good at drawing and at least knowing anatomy, right? I mean, that's very... Um, well, <laughs> I can't draw at all. Like, at all. <laughs> I actually... I tried to draw, I think, when I was 16 and then until I was 18 and then I understood that it's, like, useless. <laughs> completely. <laughs> I think we had the same similar so background. Yeah. I'm like the worst drawer yeah, out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have a really, really good friend. Uh, she's an artist and I often ask her, just teach me how to draw. Just, you're so good at it. Please just teach me. But it's so hard. It's almost as hard as, I think it's as hard as 3D art. It's just different. It is very different. And yeah. uh, it's very different. But uh, as for exercises, and anatomy and so on first of all learn anatomy just open sea brush make uh, take a sphere uh take a lot of references not only the 2d references especially not f- like drawings not drawings 
Photos is kind of okay, but the best thing you can do actually to find 3D scans. If you find 3D scans, it shows a lot of information which is uh, completely lost on photographs because our skin has this like semi-translucent kind of way of showing and we lost a lot of details on our face. And even the smoothest faces have actually a lot of stuff in them, like a lot of bumps and stuff. And everything is a lot more apparent. I just don't know how to say it. I'm sorry, my English is just uh, not perfect. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more visible. And another stuff, find yourself like, head with the planes and learn planes of the head like which angle the cheeks which angle the brows and so on when you start to understand how it actually structurally look like to make it structurally you start to understand it better and then it's just practice and practice and practice I'm still learning a lot every day (laughs) and think everyone still learning like anatomy every day every character artist even the best of the best they still say that they're learning anatomy every day so yeah Yeah, definitely uh i will sign off on that too because i'm exactly the same Uh, way um mm when it comes to drawing skills in the lack of of that <laughs> i don't have any drawing skills <laughs> like you uh i can i feel like uh it's just 2d drawing to me is like there's a sense of trickery right that you have to wrap your head around and uh i i feel like when i talk to 3d artists who who can't draw they just are able to visualize things in three dimension a lot better and uh and with and if they do tend to learn to draw later, it's because they learned it through three-dimensional uh, teachings that they were able to kind of like learn a foreign language, understand 2D better uh, and, and get better at that. And there are unicorns out there. Uh, I feel like 2D, 3D artists that are good at both are, are unicorn and are amazing. And they do have like a sense of like awesomeness an aura around them for sure but they are very rare like i I've, have yet to meet like a person that does both really well and uh yeah I, I completely it's actually a lot more common i think there's a misconception among students that they feel especially character artists who are really good uh, such as yourself um that they just assume that you're good at super everything that is possible right because but it's a whole dis- different that's discipline that's not true yeah. requires a lot of time uh to do just 2d sitting there with a sketch pad all day but you're, you're just spending that time with uh with 3d program with uh zbrush or something uh, yeah, don't get me wrong uh i'm sorry it's just 2d like basic 2d style uh skills they're really helpful in learning 3d but you don't need them it's not the requirements but they help you really really help you because i have friends who have like actual former art education in you know with post-soviet countries actual art education is very strict 
because you're drawing all day and it's really strong academic base. They have all these like constructional drawings and so on. And after that, they start doing 3D and it's easier for them because they already know how head works, how it's like constructed and so on, but you don't need it. You can teach yourself any way you want. Just see the result. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I have a couple more um, questions from the audience, but I'm going to save it for a little. I just want to stop interrupting. I want to see more of your character uh, before I ask them. Uh, so I think you were mentioning before uh, moving on to uh, a bit on clothing or what What do you want to move on to next? Yeah, yeah let's do... Um, okay, so this is the high poly model. Uh, the gun is a placeholder because it was modeled separately. The head is a placeholder, a placeholder too because... It, the real head has like 12 or 15 million polygons and the body has 87 million and there is no way my computer can survive all of them at once. So let's just talk about details. For example, this backpack real quick. Well, I will talk about clothes later because clothes were made in Marvel's designer. The shirt, the jeans, everything. But the backpack was made in ZBrush from the very, very easy shapes because it was just rectangular and then I worked from it. I will show you like steps because everything in layers are the useful techniques everything in layers so I just started with like really basic shape and then uh, you look at other stuff you have there because you like obviously have pockets and you have these straps and these straps and they all work with the surface and you start to look where it should see every part where it's connected it somehow created some kind of folds so I just sculpted it by hand looking at the real life references so you always have a lot of references it's it's like golden rule i think everyone i think environment artists too when you're making stuff you have a lot of real life references uh after that i decided that we need scenes that it should look that it was actually made from different parts and not one place of piece of geometry after that it was seems easiest just a brush with alpha from marvel's designer super easy to make um, just 
two brush strokes and after that uh it's surf surface wrinkles they i made surface wrinkles by uh using alpha you took any alpha map with the like any picture of crumbled paper or wrinkled uh clothes just any black and white picture you can even do it yourself and then you put it in photoshop crank the contrast and after that you took like the brush standard brush drag rectangular and in alpha you just import uh, give me a second just one of the common things I see a lot of students do and try to do is like uh, some artists does it too. There's some professional artists do where they do wrinkles like uh, one stroke at a time, <laughs> which is have always been so insane to me. Uh, it well, seems I made like those very too. time consuming. Yeah, but it feels like you, you have like at least a, a mixture of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So the big ones are always the like by hand because they should be placed strategically, as we sometimes said. Because all every wrinkle has some kind of rhythm to it. You see, there's like there are two wrinkles, and one of them smaller, one of them bigger. We can do them like the same shape, uh, the same size and the same like direction and so on it will be look really bad so you should see the rhythm which uh, inside the wrinkles and after that i just when all the big wrinkles are placed i just take something like this so i show just a lot of crumpled paper and oh sorry layers Okay, so if alpha gives something like this, you should go to the alpha menu, modify, and then this mid value, and probably the focal shift. Nope. Yeah, it will be much better. So you just drag and then smooth it out. And so just drag and smooth it out, so on and so forth. So you will have, in the end, you will have some kind of, like, you know, cloth material, which was in use for a long time. It has some nice texture to it. That's basically how it's done. So there um, are some questions, uh, sorry to interrupt, about, um, I know that you're, you're doing this one purely out of ZBrush, and maybe I'll save this question a little bit later, but um, this is for Marvelous Designer. So a person was asking, a fixie from Twitch chat, asking, uh, do you Z-remesh your Marvelous model, or you use mm -hmm. the new tools in Marvelous Designer as we... No, people are deal with marvelous designer. 
um, at least using the high risk can be very troublesome to kind of get it into other programs. Do you have any uh, oh, special yeah. advice how to do that? Uh, I'm using like not very high poly model and I always zero mesh it in ZBrush because I have older version of Marvel's designer and I'm not using the like tools inside the Marvel's designer. I was I use it only for creating the cloaks. And after that it's expert to ZBrush and then always zero mesh. And zero mesh and actually I haven't like prepared this stuff but it will be interesting too. I think so you have two copies. You have your first copy of like your I don't know, your top or your pants. You just get it to ZBrush. You duplicate it. And the duplicated part you zero mesh until it have I don't know, like thirty-five thousand or something. It's like good uh quad uh wires i'm sorry but uh, after that you just project <clears throat> you project the details from the your initial model to your zero mesh one because zero measure sometimes just kills the defaults kills the details but it gives you good you know good topology uh does it answer the question oh yeah that definitely answers the question everyone's always struggling especially if they're they're new the marvis designer looks great there and it's like all right so how what do i what else do i do how to bring it to other programs it's always been the big question and it's something that uh i feel like marvis designer as a company should like address because game developers use that program a lot but it's obviously centered in the fashion industry, but I think they need mm-hmm. to start recognizing game development tools for it. And uh, I, I have played with the new tools before in Marvel's design. It doesn't work that great as advertised. You still have to do okay. these hacks. Yeah. You still have to do these hacks to uh, like, like you just pointed mm-hmm. out to, to get good models. But uh, yeah. You that's, need to try those. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you have better look than I do. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask you about it afterwards. Uh, but go ahead. Uh, please continue. Um, okay, so that's for the backpack. Let's just look at the clothes for a minute. So he have short t-shirt and the jeans. It was all made. Well, okay. T-shirt wasn't made in Marvel's designer because it's like it looks like this, but the shirt was. And uh, it was made in Marvel's designer. It was exported to ZBrush, and then it was heavily modified in uh, in ZBrush because Marvel's designer great, but again, you need to like look at your faults. And let's just say you need to direct them because you need to look where they fell and how it looks and some things like maybe the pressure of the backpack you can you can do it in Marvel's design but much faster to do just in ZBrush. Uh, okay, so 
the shirt. So I start with a mesh like this. It's this like straight from Marvel's desire. Well, not straight. Yeah, I should talk about this. You see, it's double sided and it has some kind of thickness to it. I've never, I know that Marvel's designer can export with a thickness, but it's never, it's never worked for me for some reason. That's why, um, that's what I do. Sorry. So this is from my other model, but it's like, I think it's a good example because it had this like really interesting folds here. Be interesting to look at. So this is for my jester, it's her cloak. And when I export from Marvel's designer, it looks mostly like this. It's already zero meshed. So we have more or less even topology. It's okay for kind of work I've done for Jester because it was uh, for printing, not for game design, like for game art. After that, uh, we need to give it thickness. We go to geometry, panel loops. Here, bond loop, polish to zero, bevel to zero, elevation always like 100, but it will be better for this one to have one minus 100, so it was like extruded inwards. So then we press the button. We have good thickness and it's different polygroups. Everything is different polygroups. It's very convenient and I just show you why. Okay, so obviously we have these artifacts, drugs over here. Here is no good either. Start smoothing it out. Places. See parts here, here, and here. Uh, and here, why it's a good thing that it is in different polygroups because we can do uh, mask by polygroups. I have it like on my screen here, but you can find it in a brush, auto-masking, open and down, uh, auto-mask mesh insert, and then you just mask by polygroups. Just crank it up to 100, and then everything you do will be doing just for one polygroup. So you can just do this, this, here, this is here, and over here. After that we can. Oh, by the way, smooth will be working only with polygraphs too. So sometimes it's really useful when you when you do uh, faces 
and you have like the eyes and the eye fold. It's really hard to sometimes just smooth not everything, but only the part you need. So it's really useful just to, you know, choose the part you want, make a different polygroup, and then move only this part or smooth only this polygroup. Okay, so now we have like more or less no artifacts, no mistakes anywhere. Just polygroup and then just divide it and some subdiv. Give it some subdiv. It's okay uh, if you have like less polygons. It's a good thing that it's a different sub uh, polygroups too because you can do crease polygroups. It's in again. It's over here for me, but you can find it in geometry crease. Okay, so crease, crease polygroups. Let's add this line. And when you will be subdividing the next, it will have good crease angle, like near all your polygroups. So when you do so, the thickness operation, you have to be pretty... Uh, uh, absolute with the wrinkles I am assuming because once it's double sided it gets a little tougher to add new wrinkles right with a big one yeah with a yeah. big one you should be absolutely sure you, you want like this thing but with a smaller one it's much easier to do it when you have thickness mm-hmm. okay so just like that I had it was exactly the same with this mesh it's just not as interesting pulse here as a hood that's why I decided to use another one here I started to oh yeah so uh, I do have a question with um, so you guys obviously characters move they animate so the initial wrinkles, or at least for posing or uh, portfolio work, there's one way of doing it. But then having a character ready for games, uh, how, how do you guys deal with wrinkles in different positioning? Or is it more like just generalizing the wrinkles so that they, it always makes sense for the character moving around? Yeah. Yeah, the second one. You try to do interesting wrinkles, but then you try to do that it won't be like strange in any position so i guess nothing like this could work actually only if like the character always will have this stuff he's always uh his torso is always always works Mm -hmm. yeah so this stuff always works for like any position this wrinkles is good for any position it's always uh like it's better to see on pants or on jeans and so on because you should have interesting wrinkles in there. But then again, if character walks, it shouldn't be like strange. The first strange like wrinkles. But right, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, it's okay. I just I know that in AAA games these days they use like wrinkle apps. 
and some kind of so when character is moving they sometimes have like different faults mm-hmm. when it's move but i worked in mobile games we don't have anything like this yeah i was about to mention that so um I'm an environment guy, so I'm always blaming characters taking up all the texture resources because there's always a disc, right, that everybody is partitioned to, and you guys have like eight, 80 normal maps of wrinkles to kind of transition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like the first time I saw this this tech, right, because essentially it's just normal maps kind of blending into each other to create um, these uh, wrinkles or, or muscle uh, changes. I saw it the first time in the Red Dead 1 uh, with the horses, Right. You saw like the kind of the horse anatomy muscles kind of moving as as you're riding it. And I was like blown away because I never saw that before, Um, because usually before it's just like these are your wrinkles. That's it (laughs) for the whole game. Right. (laughs) And so definitely like uh, current gen is is moving towards like using more texture resources to kind of transition these these wrinkles i haven't seen too much aside from you know of course face blending that's a whole different thing but like with clothes like i I feel like which game which game do you feel is utilizing this type of tech the best is it a naughty dog game you feel i don't remember too much on uncharted god of war yeah he's always half naked (laughs) yeah it's not not a lot of faults in there Maybe Naughty Dog games. I I won't be lying to you. I I don't actually know the game that uses it. I just read that people use it. I know that uh, people use this some kind of like blending shapes, but not only for the face, but also for the hands and feet for all this. Like you know, when you uh, make a fist, it has different anatomy, and they try to make some maps like different normal maps so you can see different parts of the hand like you can see veins in some gestures and you cannot in other i knew for sure it was even in uncharted 4 for sure because they show it i think on norman presentation but maybe it's somewhere else it's in free access in on youtube and i think last of us have it but i'm not sure mm-hmm. i won't be lying yeah i mean it's it's total possible uh technology i mean we do it with the face all the time it's Probably. the same thing more yeah. targets but uh yeah that's cool it's always impressive it's a it's a lot of texture space <laughs> you guys are always <laughs> so a lot of... yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of uh uh, varieties kind of put on a disc but it's worth it at least for the main character to kind of see that coolness going on it's yeah it's really interesting to you know to transfer from mobile games because we have like one map 1k for everything mm-hmm. and then i go like from this to more like more high poly, more interesting characters. And when I started to do this one, just by instinct, I start to kind of put everything on one map. And Mm -hmm. then a friend just said like, no, we need different maps for everything. And right now it has seven sets of maps, like 2K, 4K, but it's without the hair. Hair have its all like sets it's like every layer has its set it's yep. so complex 
That's why we hate you guys. <laughs> because our environments are eight eight to nine Sorry. texture sets. But I mean it's I get it. You know, you see the characters up close. Uh, you know, and it's seven sets, you know, that's the key word right there. So each tech set is like four textures, four, 20, 48. Yeah. Textures. Yeah. It's like, we're talking about 50 textures for, for one character, essentially. I think, I think that's the one thing that's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, beginners or students don't realize, like, um, I guess in, in school, we don't really teach about, um, uh, file management or, or texture management, but, that's uh, one of the things when you really get into game development, you, you start to learn real quick. It's like, all right, you know, you only have um, this amount of space. So you got to really be smart about it. I think yeah. one of the things that I always like um, about um, developers coming from the mobile side of things is they very are conscious of that. And uh, in today's age, uh, you know, students learn from the triple A side and just go into it uh with full abandonment and they just do whatever <laughs> looks good and yeah that other side is just completely forgotten because we it's important it's really important to know about the the game technical side of how things fit um because we're still yeah. uh that's very much unique to our medium and not so much in the other ones that will always be there yeah. no matter how many ps5 or <laughs> 6 or 7 we're always going to be well, it will be yeah like the memories will be like bigger and bigger mm -hmm. amounts of memory to to utilize all the different like technique techniques and normal maps and so on so i think it will be easier maybe going forward i hope so yeah that's the that's the dream but i, I think there's <laughs> always the going to be a programmer is going to always be yelling at you about what are you doing <laughs> i think that is also the reality of that but uh yeah Please go ahead. Please continue. Uh, okay, so uh, after that, uh, after I exported the file, I started with like with the little fixes. It's not even defaults. It's just a bit here, a bit there. Try to fix some things that can happen in Marvel's Designer, like uh, different meshes became different parts for some reason or something just the false is just wrong I had this couple of times when just nothing you can do about it so it's just wrong then you go to ZBrush and then just draw it by hand because it's much faster after that I started to add like the same it's it's the same brush as before as on the backpack. After that, again, surface uh, wrinkles, as I showed it before. And then memory folds. Every clothes that had been worn has memory folds. They made just by damn standard on really, really, really low amount of say intensity and then just like do a line do another one just do a line do another one smooth do a line do another one smooth with the references of course because samples just impossible you need to understand where 
they should be. So it just adds like realism to the to the mesh. That's all. It's just a detail. After that, I start fixing some parts that wasn't quite right. Second, part of folds. Third layer of folds. And then we decided that his sleeve should be torn. So I started with the torn and then tear and wear standard bar brushes. You can find them for free. And after that, it was uh, the second pass. It was the pressure from the backpack. Decided to add it later. See, without it, with it, without it, with it. And that's basically it. So it's just looking at the reference, painting folds, looking at the reference, painting folds. That's, that's it. That's what you say, but uh, thank you. <laughs> if I were to say the same thing, my character would not look like that, right? It's just painting folds. It's going to be a smudge of a, a sphere of a... <laughs> of the, uh, well, yeah, but it's not yeah. my first character, you see. <laughs> yeah, that's the key important thing, practice right there. But uh, Practice, practice, and practice, yes. So this is the perfect uh, opportunity, and uh, I want to thank you. Uh, this is the hour, but I want to ask a couple of questions from our audience before I uh, let you go. And uh, I want to thank you again for spending this lovely hour with us, showing and breaking down this character. Fascinating. I'm always learning so much from from professionals like you. So um, here's a question from Praveen, and I guess this is a general question. Um, when it comes to uh, console generation transitions, right? This is when a lot of gamers are super excited and a lot of game developers are super... They're excited too, but anxious and, and a little uh, scared about what you know things they have to learn uh, to make sure that they're relative, right? So what he's asking is, uh, during this transition... Uh, has it been difficult? I mean, what, what kind of things do you have to do to prepare with new hardware and changes for poly count and texture resolution? We're talking about seven sets. Um, like, are we talking about, is it really is easier to do 14? <laughs> because we have more space. I mean, what, what is your general feeling about that? Uh, how to best prepare as an artist to be okay with any change? Okay, so I don't think I can answer the question about the, the console generation changes because I was working in mobile but, uh, at the time and I don't like know anything about console changes inside Game Studio because we haven't changed anything. But in general, how to be prepared to any kind of changes is just to always learn to always uh, research new software, always try new things, always uh, look at what other people are doing. Because, uh, for example, Substance Painter wasn't industry standard, I think, two years ago. Yeah. At least two or three years ago, it wasn't like the standard, and now everyone using it. And it was such a big 
plus to the resume when I started to work, when I have like the line about I knew substance painter. And everyone's like, yes, we need people who who know how to work with it because it's new and no one knows anything about it. So always try to research new software, always read about new technologies because it's a lot of it's useful too because a lot of scanning materials, a lot of uh, archive spaces with the materials are popping up and Blender, I, I saw this, a lot of, you know, chips of Blender doing some magical things. I haven't tried it myself, but I think uh, I maybe looked into it just because it's really curious for me. And then, yeah, just uh, listen to industry talks because guys at this, like, Norman talks or uh, the interviews after the game, after the last game come out, like the God of War, they talk about technical issues a lot. And you heard them talking about like seven UV sets. And it's like, whoa, it's already seven. I need to research it. <laughs> An it eyeball helps. for each set. I've seen that. I've seen eyeballs using it as one set before. I was like, so yeah, bad. Yeah, I was so it. bad. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like I'm squeezing like a whole environment onto like a 2048, right? And this guy's using it for eyeballs. So I was like, oh my god, <laughs> you guys are so spoiled. But again, not understandable. You guys are the, the the star of each game, so I get it. Um, I will I will leave with this last question. This is from John H from our Discord channel. Uh, we were mentioning about uh, YouTube being your one of your primary source for self-education uh, and you having the ability to kind of sift through the bad and good. Has there uh, is there a shout out to these uh, specific channels that you like to visit regularly for good tutorials or good uh, just good things about the industry? Oof. Oh, it's a hard question right now because uh, I don't have. I don't have channels I want to like look through regularly. It's always I just Google something that I need and use the tutorial I have for it. So I don't have like favorite channels or like favorite videos or something like this. I quite regularly uh, watching like tutorial videos for like official tutorial videos like for substance for Marvel's designer because there's a lot of inf- interesting information in there but it's like overly uh, often overlooked by people and it's like basic but very necessary information um, and a lot of streams uh, I think ZBrush channel has like they streaming always on Twitch and they have bad streams and good streams too, but uh, you have just, just to see them, just to understand what you like and don't like, mm-hmm. what kind of art you like, yeah. what kind of personality you like. It's important too. Yeah. That's uh that's all. Uh, I'm sorry. I can like give you the names, but maybe if it's from discord channel, I can, like look through my uh, channels and maybe give uh, links to the Discord chat because I 
I'm in it. I'm in your Discord group, so I can just post it there. Oh yeah, I'll, that'll be a great way to segue for anybody that want to continue the conversation with Lisa. I'll, uh, if not already, I'll invite you to the GSL server, and uh, maybe you can drop some links in there. And uh, I definitely agree with you, um, because uh, you know, as an environmental artist, I look at the Unreal channel. I think the Unreal and ZBrush share something very in common. They are so prolific uh, with uh, like always live streaming and always a tour. I don't know how they do yeah. it because it seems like around the clock, like they have someone like teaching something, uh, and it could be difficult, like you said to know which one's bad or which one's good because they you're sitting like I, I mentioned before like 30 minutes in he's like this is a bad live stream <laughs> this guy is so boring and it's hard to scrub through it those happens, right yeah. yeah it's like i can't see the end result is this anything worth it you know you just got to trust that person sometimes but uh yeah. like I, I i do agree with you those live stream given by zbrush and uh unreal those are the top 2 that i feel have been very prolific lately, yeah. just constantly giving great content. Um, well, I they, wish that, they have yeah. streamers from all over the world. Exactly. And it's uh, I wish they had a better shortcut of telling us what to expect. But I guess with live streaming, you've got to take that risk and just watch it and like just hope that it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I will do that. I definitely open invitation would love to kind of invite you back at some point to go through the texturing, the the presentation and all that other half. Um, but until then, uh, I want to thank you for your time for the hour that you did spend with us. And uh, for anybody that is, is interested, Lisa will uh, cautiously jump into our discord server, right. And maybe jump right out as soon as you guys embark her. So just be kind to her. And uh, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. And it was great oh, kind of yeah. sitting here and, and talking with you. And we'll, we'll talk some more offline and everything. But uh, it was such a... I saw your uh, your artwork, I think. How did I find you? I saw it across Art Station on the front page or something like that. I saw it somewhere. And then I was instantly drawn to all your... You have a uniqueness to your art, especially how you were able to kind of jump back and forth between stylized and realistic so easily and, and such a high quality bar. Um, I think it was, it's a rare skill to have just be that, between that. I was, uh, we were talking about like a person with 2D and 3D skills, but I feel like uh, uh, someone having the ability to jump between stylized and realistic have always been very as impressive. Um, so that's, that's something that, uh, at some point we need to talk more about because that's a hard transition to do as well thank you all right so lisa here i am here you are i, I will do one thing if you want to switch over to your camera um i'll hand the mic over to you to shout out uh to talk about any websites that people can find you twitter account any uh anything that you want to give attention to uh this is your platform feel free to kind of point the viewers out there where to go uh okay um you can find me on ArtStation. obviously i show you already my uh profile but i can show it again okay in a second uh, okay so this is me uh it's ellis 
L L O S. It's just Yelizaveta Lasova, but it's, uh, you know. <laughs> mm. We will provide it in the okay. show link just in case, uh, so yeah. no one gets lost. But here it is, yeah. Okay, so, uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitter. I'm always there. Uh, it's at oh please stop it. It's just one word, and it's the same for Instagram. Oh please stop it. It's just actually the same everywhere. <laughs> Perfect. That's called branding people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. I that's think, all. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's perfect. Well, I want to thank you, everybody, for joining us for uh, this week's show. And Lisa, of course, has been amazing at uh, showing off her work. She said it was her, uh, was her first time. I don't believe it. It was very professionally done. Uh, you were not boring, thank God. I staged for this live stream. <laughs> so it was really worth it. Uh, so as always, you guys, thank you for joining us live on Twitch. And you can find the recording uh, next week, actually. It's going to be up next week, next Thursday, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Online. And as always... Uh, Thank you, Lisa. Oh, my God. This show would be so boring with just me. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us. I know an hour of your time, you could have scoped it five characters by now. Uh, but you chose to sit down with us <laughs> nah. and share your skills. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's it. Thank you. For, yeah, thank you for having me. It's actually good that we find the time to do that. Because we were planning it for five of us. Four or five times, I think. It's brand new year. You're the first guest of the show of the yeah. year, so we're kicking off with you. So it's perfect timing, in my opinion. So uh, that's it, everybody. I want to see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody